0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Giddle. My name is Hans. I'm Edward, and we are your hosts for now and forevermore. Or until
1: I don't know. I've used all of them so much, but I guess until one of us just decides to quit because we have much better prospects waiting for us. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know? I was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose we can go with that. <laughs> not that we're ever going to quit. Hey, Edward.
1: Nah. Nah. So Weird quitters. The,
0: yeah, we had an initial discussion just before this about how this is technically an April Fool's episode. Um, and how I was like, well, not really. It's not really coming out on the 1st of April. Um, and then that made us think about how theres not there hasn't really been any April Fool's news. And I think it's just because... The world is in such a state right now that nobody really wants to go down the path of believing something that could be too good to be true or that is just not nice. <laughs> because the last three years have proven that even the weirdest of news can be true. <laughs> yep, Pandemic and wars so notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, welcome Gosh. to Gettle episode 85. If you've been along for the journey thus far, thank you so much to any of our newer listeners. Thank you again for giving us a try and uh, listening to what we have to say. So for today's episode, we're going to be looking at, in particular, video game subscriptions and whether or not we think that they are sustainable, both for the companies as well as us as consumers. Mm. I mean, goodness knows that almost every piece of software out there is moving towards some sort of a subscription-based system. I mean, you can, you can barely do anything anymore without uh, having to be subscribed to something. I mean, just the other day, what was, yeah. I? what was I looking at? It was something absolutely ridiculous. And I just thought to myself, what? I think it was a, yeah, yes. It's this app called Transmit, which I use for um, updating websites, you know, in the back end. Mm-hmm. And you can buy it outright for $40 directly through their website. But if you download it through the Mac App Store, there is only a subscription option. You actually, you can't buy it. And I was like, well, I I, I already have a code. So I thought, oh, let me download the Mac OS version from the App Store. And maybe I can put my code in there somewhere. Nope. There is literally zero option. It is just for subscription. I mean, I I assume it's because Mac uh, and Apple users are cash cows. So that would be the only Mobile real... Mobile
1: users are
0: <laughs> Well, that's either thing. way, it's just indicative of where we're moving. You know, mm. look, in a way, what I've just mentioned now is a whole bigger discussion of Apple's App Store and, uh, you know, policies and things. But that's for another day. Today, we're talking specifically about the sustainability of video game subscriptions, <laughs> um, yeah. of which they are... Three primary ones, and then a lot of, I suppose, superlative ones. Um, In particular, we're speaking about Xbox Live, PlayStation Plus, and Nintendo Online. These are the three major big ones from the three biggest gaming brands, I would say, you know, that everybody knows from a console and uh, just general gaming perspective. And what's interesting about it is for the longest time, Game Pass has sort of led the pack. Uh, Now, now Game Pass is ever so slightly different to Xbox Live Gold, which used to just be a service that you subscribe to, and it would give you access to online multiplayer for games, and then as well as free games every once a month. Uh, PlayStation eventually sort of copied that model, and they had PlayStation Plus, which offered very, very similar, um, you know, in almost every way to Xbox Live Gold. And then there's Nintendo Online, which nobody really knows what that's actually about so <laughs> no <laughs> it's a mess <laughs> it doesn't really offer you anything other than look i suppose that's a whole other can of worms because they do offer you the ability to download emulations of their own software like all the games like 3ds and uh, uh you know game game boy stuff me. like that. however it's done very poorly and oh. again that's a whole different discussion um, which, which again, I just want to rein this back into the whole subscription thing, okay? We'll maybe talk about those things a bit later. So the reason why we want to talk about this now is because the gaming subscription model is reaching fever pitch. Um, so we've now spoken about the original models for these things, and then over time, they've sort of molded and evolved, whereby, for example, with Xbox... They release a, uh, an all-you-can-eat buffet gaming service called Game Pass, which is incorporated into Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which includes Xbox Live Gold. And it's, it's all like one nice big package for only, uh, I think it's $15 a month, which is about 170 rand a month. It's actually less now. They've actually reduced the, the price, incredibly so. Yeah, And then that gives you access to over 300 video games that you can at any time download to your console and then play. Um, of course, you do need an internet connection to authenticate the the you know that you have a valid Game Pass subscription, and that also in available locations allows you to play Xbox Cloud, where you can stream games to your mobile phone or even your console directly via the internet. Now, it's important for me to mention these things because when we look at PlayStation, PlayStation have something called PS Plus, and then PlayStation Now. Now. PlayStation Now is something that has been very exclusive for a very long time. It's mostly just been available in first world nations, such as the UK, America, and I think Japan. Um, It's very limited, but essentially the whole, the the whole cracks behind it is that unlike Game Pass, where you can download a full copy of your game to your machine and then you play it locally, PS Now was all about you stream the video game. It kind of worked like um, Google Stadia, right? Yeah. So what's interesting now with Game Pass being a proper competitor for the last several years and making a lot of waves in the industry, including incredible subscriber growth and people just, you know, it's it's really just very good value. We've actually spoken about this before in episode 33. Um, if you'd like to go and listen to it, by all means, please do. It really just is an incredible value for money service that is also weirdly somewhat platform agnostic. Because if you have a subscription, you can play on PC, you can play on console and you can play on mobile, especially if it's cloud gaming enabled, you know, your particular games. Yeah. I'm sorry, we're going to get to the discussion in a bit. We've just got to lay the groundwork for all of this. Yeah, pretty but but much um, just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lay, the <groundwork. laughs> lay the groundwork. Lay the groundwork. Lay the groundwork. So what, what is interesting is there's been a lot of rumors of PlayStation Spartacus over the last uh, couple of weeks, months. And the, everyone has called it the Xbox Game Pass competitor. Now, Sony have technically revealed it now as basically a new version of PlayStation Plus, whereby yep. it's PlayStation Plus that you know and love, but now they've taken PS Now and they've merged it into one service, and then they have different tiers, uh, depending on also, once again, where you are in the world, because, you know, PlayStation Now is not available everywhere. So it's far more confusing, in my personal opinion, at least at the start, versus the Game Pass model, which is very much just. You know, you buy it. You have access to all of these games if they're cloud enabled. Awesome. If not, no worries. You can still play them. You know, you can download them. Yeah. Whereas Sony's whole new PlayStation Plus thing has like a, there's a Plus version, there's a Deluxe model, there's a Ultimate variant. I don't know. There's so many different versions, and essentially the way it works is is that they're going to be offering over 700 titles, as far as I understand, um, of which that also includes streaming only and i feel that's very unusual and a little bit disingenuous to be honest Mm -hmm. no it's a bit disingenuous because you know the messaging here is you have access to 700 games but do you really though like if you're not in a ps now country do you really have access to 700 games the answer is no you Mm. don't you only have access to the games that you can technically download to your console now, with that in mind, and we will we will get into this a little bit more detail as we discuss these services and what we think about them. Is how PlayStation is foregoing the addition of launching first-party titles day and date on the service, which once again goes against what Microsoft is doing. Where, like Halo Infinite, for example, launched day and date for anybody who was a Game Pass subscriber, um, and that's basically for all of, of um, Xbox's first-party titles. Now, Sony's argument for this is it's quality over quantity, which is such a bullshit excuse because that is not the case. It's all about screwing over the consumer. And I I feel very strongly about this because I have watched the PlayStation brand over the last several years, specifically with the launch of the PlayStation 5, move into a, we're going to get as much out of you as possible instead of offering you value-added services. Do you agree yeah. with me, Edward? How do you feel about it? No,
1: fully. The thing is, uh, when, when Phil Spencer himself said that Game Pass is sustainable, he explained that you can just look at the numbers. Uh, you, uh, okay, so so the main argument here is that that Sony games, if you, if you pay a fraction of the price for them, you won't get the same quality out of them as you would, say, what you get now for God of War, Last of Us, and whatnot. Um, And that's not true, because as Phil Spencer said, that even though you only pay a fraction of the the price, so many more millions of people are paying that price. And not only that, it's not taking away from the in-game sales. It's, uh, sorry, the the launch day sales. It's actually boosting them. Um, And this is all on... Um, Xbox Wired, you can find that on, on the internet If you just Google um, It's so funny to me That people believe the rhetoric That that it's the, the, the whole Quality over quantity Argument um, If there is literally no substance To it um, And that's how I feel I, I'm actually quite miffed about the whole Official explanation about it Because well, I feel like they're lying to us um, Of course they are I feel like they're taking uh, customers
0: for a fool <laughs> Look, let's let's break it down a little bit as well, right? So, PlayStation are the company that have been advocating for the ten dollar increase per title for next gen. Yes, they're the only one of the big gaming brands that are doing so, and of course, naturally, uh, the other institutions are following suite. Why not? I mean, if, if PlayStation is doing it, one of the biggest ones, and they're forcing it even on their first party titles, you'd be stupid as Ubisoft or take two or, or any of the other variety of studios to not also do it. Now, the claim at the time is because they want to earn more money from sales of video games, but where that begins to fall apart is through DLC. So almost Mm. every single game out there has some form of DLC. Even the, the single standalone titles will often have DLC in the form of new levels or missions or maybe even a standalone story. So there are means and ways of earning more money in terms without actually increasing the base price of a video game. So that then of course means that the rationale behind increasing that base price is immediately false. Okay, don't get me wrong. It's it's fine to want to give developers more money and so on and so forth. But don't say that you absolutely have to do it. You know, it's, it's not necessary. There are so many other ways of making money. For example, Apex Legends is a game that I thoroughly enjoy. That game is free, but it earns billions of dollars monthly because it has cosmetics and things that you can buy and enjoy within the game. So the possibility yeah. exists for revenue streams from, you know, from, from, other means to generate revenue. So there's no need to increase the base cost. Also, by a mega 10 $10, it's not. I mean, if a game sells 500,000 copies, that's maybe an extra 5 million in the grand scheme of things where games are costing like 150, $300 million, uh, It's it's minuscule, really, if you really think about it. Yeah. What isn't minuscule, and this is what I think is most interesting, is Sony chose to add $10 to all of their base games, where Microsoft chose the exact opposite, leave them first party titles at the original price, but then give you the option of using that $10 that you would have used to buy a new title for game pass. And in so doing, they have created a multi-billion dollar industry. It is no secret that game pass earns Microsoft billions of dollars a month. You know, now when you, when you look at that now, from that perspective, that is incredibly sustainable so the argument that PlayStation keeps making about how adding first party title to the subscription service would be to their detriment Microsoft's business model literally proves that as false so exactly. uh, I mean just you, you you those of you who are listening you can do an easy calculation uh, the rough estimate is it's roughly 20 million 25 million. Uh, subscribers, and if each of them pay a minimum of $10 a month, just a minimum, you know, I mean, take 25, that's at least $250 million a month. Four months, that's a yeah. billion dollars. I mean, I'm pretty sure Sony's not making even $250 million a month off of a first-party title. So, <laughs> well, Yeah,
1: pretty much. Um, or, or rather, they are, but they are doing it through dubious ways in that selling multiple versions of the same game
0: yeah so see their whole business model is with all due respect it's antiquated and perhaps this comes down down to leadership so microsoft has satya nadella who took over from bill gates and this man has he has transformed the microsoft company into one that is a almost cloud first you know and in many respects that's just a, a, a f- it's it's been incredibly good for microsoft i mean microsoft's major earnings nowadays actually come from their azure cloud platform so in his mind i would imagine when he had a meeting with Phil Spencer he was like yeah let's do it let's make a subscription service that relies on our cloud services it's a win-win mm. situation you know you have the the tech and the platform why not do it then by doing so you now create a new revenue stream because $15 a month is nothing. Uh, if I yeah. even use it as rands, even 150 rand a year, over a full year, that's 1,800 rand. That's the price of one PlayStation first party title. Yeah. You know, obviously, depending on which version, of, uh, which version of the one you get, right? So in one yeah. entire year yeah. <laughs> of Game Pass is only equal to one PlayStation first party title. It boggles the mind then why on earth Sony would think, that that is sustainable. So as a matter of fact, I would actually then argue the opposite of what uh, this entire discussion was about, is how subscriptions are absolutely sustainable. It's the current antiquated method of selling software that is not sustainable, in my personal Mm -hmm. opinion. More so because granted we know sony have a majority of of uh, of gamers the clientele they're the most popular brand for a long time since ps4 and now into ps5 and surely you know people who have that form of brand loyalty would choose to rather buy things on playstation and that's you know their own prerogative yeah but the mindset is changing because i'm somebody who's privileged i'm privileged enough that i have a very good job and i earn good money where i don't really have to worry about Buying the games that I want. I will buy them when I want them, when I feel like it, whether it's a Super Collector's Edition or the normal version. But at the same time, I'm like, why do I need to? Why do I need to spend 2,000 Rand for one game when I can use 2,000 Rand on a subscription service that will give me 300 plus games that I can enjoy whenever I want, as well as first party titles? So, yeah. The the whole thing of Sony being like, no, we're not going to do it because it's not sustainable and it's going to eat into our profits, blah, blah, blah. That's very antiquated. It's a very old Mm. way of thinking. And it does currently still work. So, for example, Horizon Forbidden West sold incredibly well. It's one of the fastest selling PlayStation 5 titles, naturally, because uh, it was done for the new generation. But again, it was $10 more than a conventional exclusive. And it's not available anywhere else other than PlayStation 5 at the moment. So there's no PC support yet um, because we all know that Sony's MO is to release support six months down the line with extra features and then add those extra features to the PlayStation 5 version as well and then charge you an extra 10 to $15 yet again for the same title. But now the uh, fully complete f- version.
1: <laughs> to be fair, um, it is actually available for PS4. Um, no, I meant PC, not PS4. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, listen to this, yeah, though. Yeah. And this is where they. This is the, the kind of. I almost swore that the kind of crappy <laughs> um,
0: business dealings Sony has going on. Look, just and, before and, you continue, I, I just want to make this very clear quickly. We're not trying mm. to bash PlayStation here or Sony. I'm a huge fan. No. I, just I've i been thoroughly practice. enjoying um, Horizon Zero Dawn, and I, I love the platform and the dual yeah. sense is amazing, but like. You, you know, we have to also look at things realistically and from an unbiased perspective. Mm-hmm. And right now, what Sony is doing doesn't make me happy as a consumer. I am not happy with them right now. And this yeah. is where you know us talking about these services is really coming into play because Microsoft is setting the standard, and Microsoft is dropping. I mean, and, and PlayStation is still dropping the ball instead of exactly. following what is already working.
1: <laughs> so, so. Th- what I was getting at is uh, Guerrilla Games is very much consumer-centric, which I really like, uh, which is weird because they are a first-party studio, um, <laughs> considering what we just said. Anyway, because they are consumer-centric, they decided they'll offer both versions of the game regardless of which console copy you buy. So if you buy the PS4 copy, you will get a free upgrade to PS5. That if is you buy the so PS5 rare. Copy,
0: I, yes. I mean, I don't want to interject here, but that means or that is one of the only games to come out to actually offer that. Because there's been so many that released on PS4 that had that had paid for upgrades from Sony yep. in order to get the PS5 versions. And, and 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 like one of the main ones is Ghost of Tsushima, which still irritates yep. me today because that should have just been given a free upgrade given how it came out a month before the PlayStation 5 released. Then it's things yeah. like the Uncharted collection, which, again, does exactly the same thing. If you own the previous one, you have to now pay an upgrade fee for PS5. That is such mm-hmm. an anti-consumer thing to do. Like, yes, I have the new machine. I have invested my money into your ecosystem once again with new hardware, which costs quite a bit of money. But now I'm being penalized for, for staying with you? It doesn't yep. make sense to me. And that's when Microsoft just doesn't do that. You know, you buy a game. They have smart delivery. It doesn't matter what platform you're using, or you're going to get the best version. Yeah, because they don't believe in charging you for it. Sorry, Edward. I just—it's just—it's just. just, No, no,
1: I get that. Um, (laughs) um, But but listen to this. Because of the Sony Marketplace rules, the Sony Store—I think it's called lately—because of the rules, the PS4 copy of the game was still ten dollars less on the official store. That you bought it on, so that so that means, if you went on the PlayStation on your PlayStation Five console, and you search for the PS Four copy of the game, which includes the PS Five copy, you would pay ten dollars less. But people didn't get this because there are two versions of it on the PS Store. Yeah, but do you know why? So, it's
0: because exactly what I said. Because yeah, Sony have have ingrained it into their their, uh, their supporters or or. or Uh, their game is rather, I should rather say, that Mm. if you want the PlayStation 5 version of it, you have to get the PlayStation 5 version of the game because every other game that exists doesn't allow upgrades. The free upgrade, yeah. Like, like, no, look, there's more to it than that, right? And this follows through to third-party titles as well. So Mm. there's been a lot of issues in terms of how Sony has actually integrated the system in the sense of if you did buy a game on PS4, and now a PlayStation 5 version exists. The issue here is that, first of all, you have to pay, right? You've got to pay for a, a, an upgrade to to basically unlock additional graphical settings. That's how it feels at any rate. Yep. But then you also have to download a full-on new copy of the game. <clears throat> because everything about the code bases, as well as the SKUs, are different on the storefront. So that's why a PS4 copy of Ghost of Tsushima will remain a PS4 copy. And then if you want the PS5 upgrade, when you buy that upgrade, you're essentially unlocking a key to the PS5 SKU of the product. Because it it shares a different code base and it, it operates with the system differently. And that's also why there's this huge issue of save game transfers, where if you have a game on the PS4, you have to, I think it's uploaded first to the cloud, then delete it then no 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 so wait, wait wait wait. sorry sorry. you have to let's say you bought ghost of tsushima for ps5 and you've downloaded it into your ps5 if you want yeah. your ps4 save game you have to re-download the ps4 game then copy it to the the i think it's the cloud storage or to the internal memory or something and then copy it back for your ps5 game it's an absolute mess And this is where, again, and I know this is not the topic of today's discussion, but it's where we can really take our hat off to Microsoft Smart Delivery, where this stuff just happens without you thinking about it. Now, Smart Delivery is not perfect, okay? It has its own, uh, you know, issues every now and again. But for 99% of the time, it just works. You you click download, you get the version that is applicable to your console. And the save file, yeah, the save file is universal. It doesn't matter which version of the game you have. It just in the cloud exactly. and comes down from the cloud and you play. <laughs> you know? uh, uh,
1: and that whole, that, I'm not sure what to call it, but that whole mantra, it translates into Game Pass and it translates into. Yes. Um, yes. Well, yeah, Game Pass. Um, I want to say um, Game Pass Ultimate, but it's the same product. Well, um, I mean, it's, it's
0: basically this. Look, so Game Pass itself doesn't give you access to Xbox Live Gold, right? You, you can choose to just no, have Game Pass. No, the standard one. Sorry, sorry. So if you just have Game Pass, you have access to all the games. And this is a, definitely, a, a definite criticism of Microsoft's platform right now. So despite having really good uh, ways forward, like they're really pushing this whole subscription mm-hmm. thing in a very good way, at least from the benefit of a gamer. Where Microsoft still falls short is with Xbox Live Gold. Uh, They've only just recently allowed multiplayer free-to-play titles um, free access to Xbox Live. Meaning that before this change, if you you downloaded, let's say, something like Apex Legends, but you didn't subscribe to Xbox Live Gold, you couldn't play. Because you would need Gold to give your console access to essentially the Microsoft Xbox Live multiplayer network. It's been a contentious issue for a long time, and I understand why, because that is very basic functionality that shouldn't be behind a pay gate. It shouldn't be behind a paywall. So here's hoping that with the success of Game Pass, that Microsoft will eventually take that away. Um, with With that said, and this is just from personal experience and things that you have read, having always charged people for Xbox Live Gold has honestly meant that They've had far less downtime, and in many respects, it is superior to PlayStation Network, which has yes. been free uh, in terms of, you know, online capability. The, the plus portion of it was mostly for the games, more than anything else. Yeah, the games um, and the cloud saves. But you see, now, now, isn't that an interesting way to look at it? Isn't it interesting how PlayStation, in, in some respects, actually had it down pat? Their subscription yeah. service was only for if you wanted cloud storage and extra games per month, but you didn't need it to play online. Whereas Microsoft, on the other hand, now this is speaking before Game Pass, before the new PlayStation Plus. Whereas Microsoft had Xbox Live Gold and you absolutely needed that. Otherwise, you just couldn't play online. And if you didn't play online, you, I mean, understand that today's day and age is very different to even being 10 years ago. You know, so maybe 10 years ago, who cares if you played online or not? You just buy your first party single player titles and enjoy yourself. Um, well, but it Halo is, it is <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, look, that's a, it's, it is part of this discussion because it it still speaks to subscriptions. Now, now, although perhaps Sony may have had a bit of an edge, they've completely, in my opinion, sort of lost their way going forward now because Game Pass has shown that the model works. The model for eat as much as you want games that can be downloaded to your console, or if you're in a supported region, streamed to a device like your PC or your phone, or having a ubiquitous subscription, meaning this one subscription also works in PC if you're a PC user, which is really wonderful because nobody else does that. Yep. They've looked at this model, you know, with first party titles on day and date and so on, and they've just been like, nah fam, we're gonna do our own thing. <laughs> and <laughs> they've created a product that I personally, I'm not going to subscribe to. I, mm. uh, like, so I, so, okay, now, now let's go down a bit of a different rabbit hole again. Let's talk about backwards compatibility and preservation of video games as art, um, which would actually make a fascinating discussion at a later stage, but we'll just do a very brief look at it right now. So Microsoft have, because of Xbox game pass for the most part, committed to the preservation of, older games as a form of art. In this sense, when you subscribe to Xbox Game Pass, as part of these 300 plus titles that you can download and enjoy, it's everything from the original Xbox through to the Xbox Series console. So four generations of video games you can enjoy. I have myself, Using Xbox Game Pass, actually downloaded uh, Cameo Elements of Power from Rare, which is still one of my favorite platforming games, just because it's, even today, it's just so beautiful. If anyone has an Xbox out there and you've got Game Pass, just do yourself a favor and treat yourself by just playing a little bit of it. Sure, it's dated, obviously, but visually, it's it's still superb. Anyway, I digress. Uh, (laughs) um, So, what's interesting about that, though, is that the ability for me to do that exists. And although I don't use it often, it's nice that it's there. Now, that means that for me, at any rate, and I think for a lot of users, Game Pass's real potential lies in the new, in these wonderful indie titles that come to the service, or even some of the like, bigger titles. Like, I think I stand to be corrected, but I'm pretty sure The Witcher 3 was on Game Pass 4 for quite some time, um, you know? So it's, I like it because a lot of the times, newer stuff comes to it as well stuff that might be launching day and date on other platforms that you'd have to pay a full price for, but now a part of Game Pass. And that, yeah. for me, is a bigger draw than the old catalog. But having the old catalog is really nice. And I think that's where Nintendo, for example, is uh, where their service comes into, into play because they also don't offer anything in terms of new stuff. Uh, their service is predominantly so that you can play online, like Xbox Live Gold, but then they give you access to their old databases for emulation so you can play like old game boy games and old nintendo 64 games and things like that where they are technically downloaded to your console and you can play them using the their version of an emulator or their their official emulator because you know nintendo likes to cancel everybody who tries anything else uh so that's an interesting way as well And, and, and what is most interesting about that now and that's again a whole a different discussion altogether is how nintendo relies on nostalgia for their business to thrive a lot of their huge games are old franchises that have been reborn or remastered or rebooted for modern audiences. And people just lap it up. Yep. Now, that's totally bad. different to, in many respects to Xbox and PlayStation. Although PlayStation does do it to a degree. You know, they they are notorious for releasing a game and then two years later releasing the enhanced version, which is almost exactly the same as the original. Just slightly upraised, I guess, for the newer machine or whatever the case is that is happening at the time. Um, I don't, mm. really, I don't like it. I don't like that. I feel it's a dis- doing a disservice to customers. But again, as we've discussed before, that's their antiquated means of thinking. Right? It's not. Yeah. It's not a forward-thinking subscription approach.
1: Yeah, okay. pretty much. Um, another thing we we touched upon this yesterday. Another thing I really want to mention. About one of my biggest issues with PS Plus. Now, now before I get into that, I just want to basically explain what the three tiers are because there are three. There are technically four tiers.
0: Yes, but there are three do, because I know for a fact that as as we mentioned now in this in, in this episode so far, there's PS Now. Mm-hmm. Now, because PS yes. Now is not available in lo- location certain locations, it now completely upends this whole tier system so yeah to take, so look, to t- take us through it and, and and in particular um make make sure you mention the difference between downloading and streaming and stuff because i, I want to touch yeah, on this no, again that, that's, as soon as, soon that's as you're done yeah. there
1: are technically yeah. four tiers yeah, so yeah, basically yeah, yeah, yeah. current ps plus members um they will their subscriptions will change to ps plus essential which is the cheapest tier pricing is the same offerings is the same the, the, how much is that ten dollars Um, It's $10 monthly in the US. Um, So I think that's, what, nine euro and whatever. So it's about 150 rand,
0: 180 rand a month. Yeah, Yeah. it's about. Um,
1: That includes two downloadable games. It includes the usual discounts, the cloud storage, and multiplayer online access. Um, So that doesn't change. Then you get the... PS Plus Extra, which is the new tier, the middle tier, um, you can call it, that includes backwards compatibility for PS4 game streaming and downloading, uh, which means um, PS Plus Extra members will get an automatic access to 400 PS4 games. Well, PS4 okay, and nice. PS5 games. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty much the Game Pass, comp- that's the Game Pass element of all of this. Okay. Um, okay. And that's that's it, um, including the essential tier benefits. Then you get the most expensive one, which is called the PS Plus Premium. Okay, so that's the third tier. Mm-hmm. And you get all the previous benefits. But you also get... What How much we is mentioned it? before. Um but, uh, Well, PS Extra is $15 a month, which is the same as Game Pass Ultimate.
0: Game Pass Ultimate, yeah. Uh,
1: yes, and then the PS Plus Premium is $18 a month. Um, and this includes... PS3 games, and some PSP, PS2, and PlayStation 1 games. Um, but, 340 but, extra.
0: But those PS3 uh, games are streaming only, correct? Whereas the others can be downloaded yes. and played.
1: Yes. So, so it, the official statement is that the PS3 games available via cloud streaming and a catalogue of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options. So something tells me some of those will be streaming only and some of them will not. Okay, okay. Um, but also, now the premium comes with the addition of PS Now. Uh, it, it, it includes the cloud streaming aspect, but only in the select regions. Yeah. For regions that do not have PS Now, will get a PS Plus Deluxe option instead, <laughs> which will cost less in some scenarios. So I'm not sure what this
0: means. So no one knows what this means. I'm assuming that what they're saying there is. That's very, it's weird because
1: it's why even,
0: why even bother? Oh no, but hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I think you're forgetting one thing here. You're forgetting something here. And this is a point of contention for me with this whole PlayStation Plus thing. I stand to be corrected here. But my understanding is only the ultimate tier gives you paid for free trials.
1: Yeah, I was getting to that. So, And it also includes time (laughs) and it's time limited free trials.
0: So So the reason why, okay. Why do you dislike that, Edward? Please, because I have lots to say about this. I I guess it's
1: obvious. Um, Number one, because it's a time limited trial, which means... Similarly, how you it's a get demo. 10 hour demos yeah. in yeah. EA Plus Premium, you'll get the same with this. In other words, you get the demo, but you can only play 10 hours of it, and then it's done. You can't go yeah. back to it, or however long they offer. Um, it's not stated, oh, I mean, but they do. Oh, I would like to limiting. think
0: that your save file would transfer over to the title if yeah, you I mean, that's, bought it or something.
1: I guess that goes Um, without saying, yes. But Um, my whole issue with this,
0: yeah, my whole issue with this is why are glorified demos locked to the premium and deluxe tiers? Explain to me why I need to pay extra for a demo. Yeah, it's. That is. Anti
1: consumer uh, once again. I'm only, sorry, but not only a demo, it's literally just a bit you can play for a little bit. Look,
0: even, That's the even worst if it's a mind. look, even if it's a timed trial, right? Like uh, EA Access, okay, mm. bear in mind, EA Access is cheap. Actually, it's bundled yeah. with Game Pass <laughs> so. One more reason why Game Pass is, is... Look, let's assume you didn't have Game Pass, right? EA access is only like $5 yeah. a month. It's like 50 bucks. Then you have access yeah. to EA's titles and um, their trials. And their trials, in my personal opinion, are pretty generous. Playing a game for 10 hours is long. Yeah. Especially for for certain games that may not even be that long. Like, sure, some games have much much shorter time trials for obvious reasons. I mean, there's no point in giving somebody 10 hours to play a game that only lasts for five. So those kinds of games would maybe have like a one hour trial. The whole point that I'm getting at here, though, is EA may have set that as a precedent for their service, whereby you have longer times to trial the game before you can buy it, but I don't feel that that should be locked behind a paywall to a higher tier as a feature or a benefit for PlayStation Plus. Yeah, you're now you're now telling me as the consumer that we're gonna charge you to demo the game. Yeah, what?
1: Like number one, number one, the demo is locked behind the most expensive tier, whereas with EA of all companies, you get it in the cheapest tier. Um, yeah. And number two, it's behind a paid tier anyway. Um, that's my biggest gripe with the, with all of this. Uh, let alone the pricing and the stupid tiering and the regional issues. is the fact that you just have to pay for a
0: demo. The thing is, this is the only reason why the Deluxe tier exists. Because effectively, Ultimate and Deluxe are no different. It's just that because Deluxe is technically... Sorry, I'm I'm getting the the terminology confused here. Not Ultimate. uh, Is it Plus? Because it's Essential
1: Uh, Plus? Essential, Extra and Premium.
0: Okay, so... Deluxe is the same as premium, premium minus PS Now. Yes. So then so then what is the differentiating factor between extra and deluxe? It's game demos, the, right?
1: No, no, the extra and deluxe the, the differentiating factor is the PS3, PSP and PS2 games.
0: Ah, oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It's th- okay. That's that makes it a lot better I suppose that you have now access Look, I love. I, I'm a huge. I'm a fan. I cannot wait to hopefully, like, you know, possibly. I will try the service out. I'm curious about it more than anything else. Of course. But you know, like, imagine downloading, booting up the PlayStation Two version of SSX Tricky. I mean, hello, that's going to be incredible memories, like Mem- right there. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, like if, <laughs> or if even though you're solid, Legend if it's Dragoon, on the service. If they have Legend in, in, of Dragoon in there, I will pay the price just to play that game. <laughs> um, it still bothers me that this is double the price of mm. of Xbox Game Pass, who I already who already offers all of the previous generations of games for one single price, and yes. it's it's just an odd so decision. so okay
0: so let let's let's look at them now now that we've actually sort of discussed each let's look mm-hmm. at them from a value add perspective. So. First of all, neither have a family plan, okay? No. At least not yet. So the current rumor mill is talking about how plans for Game Pass families have leaked, and it would allow for one subscription to be shared amongst five people. Nobody knows about pricing just yet, but I would imagine it would be maybe $30, $40 a month kind of thing. That that makes the most sense to me, obviously, because it's essentially uh, like six Game Pass subscriptions or five, you know, depending on how it's split. It might be one and then four others, or it might be one and five others. I'm not entirely sure just yet, but it's coming. If that, if that is true and it works out the way we think it is, whereby... You know, if, like with Microsoft Office, the way that that works. So, like, I pay a subscription, for example, and then I have, like, my father on it, and I have um, my cousin who we've adopted on it, you know. So I would imagine maybe it's something like that, where you have one family sub, and then you can you add members to it, and then they're automatically included, much like the way Microsoft Office works. If that's mm-hmm. the case, it's going to be a game-changer because my understanding as well is that they'll all be... Um, Game Pass Ultimate subscriptions. So everybody gets access to Game Pass Ultimate, which is really mm-hmm. just fantastic. I mean, it's it's day and date, uh, first party titles. It's all sorts of new stuff. All gets downloaded to your console. If you're in a region where you can have cloud gaming, it's there. If you have a PC, you can use it on there too. It's just an incredibly well done service. And I think that a family subscription is going to drive up even more people into the the ecosystem. Most definitely. Um, now, now, fam- now, PlayStation and Nintendo don't have family just yet, but I would assume perhaps in the future they'll they'll come down with something similar. I mean, it would it, be yeah. silly not to. Family aside, which is just another benefit, by the way, if we look at just the services as they are, first of all, we've already argued that they're 100% sustainable. In fact, we would argue they're more sustainable than the conventional release of titles and... Um, earning money through that, right? You know, uh, what I mean by that is, you know, you, you have one, one. so take like Elden Ring, for example, right? Which has done incredibly well. I think it's sold like, what, 300 million copies worldwide?
1: Yeah, more than any other soft it's, game it's, ever.
0: It's, it's done in, incredibly well, right? But now, how, so how long does that sort of, uh, sales continue? You know, once the bulk of people have bought it, how much longer does that stay, uh, as a, uh, you know, sustainable is what I mean. Whereas something like a subscription service, people buy it because it's a very low barrier to entry. I mean, $10, 15 is nothing, right? It's like three cappuccinos a month, maybe, yep. if that. Um, and then you have access to everything without even thinking about it. And over yep. a year, the cost of the service is the price of one AAA title. So for example, let's, let's assume you wanted Elden Ring. The price of Elden Ring on console is the price of one full year of Game Pass or... What, what is going to be PlayStation Extra. Yep. So, you know, then you have to think to yourself, is it really worth it? Would you rather not pay for your subscription and then maybe get Elden Ring at a later stage when it comes down in price? Because we all know games come down in price within the first three months, at least by 15, 20%. It's just the way the, the industry works. And um, what do you think, Ed? Like, well, what is your opinion on the whole value situation here? And the sustainability? No, I- like, Because, you, know, you know, like, the argument I'm making here is that, you know, if... Yes, Elden Ring has done well, and it's done well for various reasons, but most games don't do that well. So, you know, is it not then more to their benefit to be on a service like this? Because I have seen evidence whereby people have said, yeah, the moment they went on Game Pass, their sales actually increased instead of decreased because there's that, that huge perception that being on the service means that people then don't buy your game. Whereas I would big to differ so i for one and i'm just giving you my anecdotal uh, experience is i thoroughly enjoy city skylines and because city skylines was part of xbox game pass i downloaded it but then i went and i bought all the expansions at a slightly reduced rate because i'm a game pass member but i bought them all because i love the game and i want to continue playing it and supporting it so that then yeah. comes down to my whole thing of how you know there's different revenue streams available to game to games such as dlc right Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you, you were going to say?
1: Yeah, the thing is,
0: uh, I totally agree on what
1: you said. Um, developers have literally come come out and said that since they were on Game Pass, because we're talking games that, that existed out of Game Pass, yes. went into Game Pass, and then exited again.
0: Yes. Many,
1: yes. many developers have come out and said, uh, and you can find the evidence everywhere, that their sales shot up thousandfold the moment they entered and this is not game pass sales, not subscription sales, this is launch sales, this is um, actual copies of the game have shot up thousandfold the moment they entered and exited. So I don't know if if something can be said about the
0: games that stay know why. I know why. I think it's because when they come in, right, people Mm -hmm. download and they play and more often than not People who like something will buy them. You'll buy it. Yes. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's easy, especially given how you're getting a discount as well, right? Yeah. So it, you buy it then. Or alternatively, you don't buy it, but you play it, you play it, you play it, you play it. And then all of a sudden you get a message. Oh, well, actually, it's coming out of Game Pass. So if you want it, now's the time. Now you've been enjoying yeah. it for several months. Of course you want to keep it. So you buy it. Yeah. At a reduced rate Literally. again. <laughs> and then you keep it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I've, I've if also you have heard game pass. That, yes. I've also heard that visibility you, is a huge thing. Where hmm. these indie titles who go on other platforms are, are invisible, but the moment they hit Game Pass, all of a sudden people hear about them, they play them, they um, you know. And again, as Edward said, this is all this this can all be corroborated with quick Google searches.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's literally everywhere. I I've actually been doing Google searches just to make sure that I'm not speaking out of my crack um during (laughs) every time you spoke so it's it's easy evidence you could find everywhere and it's just so fascinating to me that this is the case whereas other people from rivaling brands are arguing the opposite. yeah um yeah yeah yeah. and it baffles the mind that people who will you believe some ceo guy pushing his new subscription service or multiple developers you know stating what? Stating differently.
0: So it is no secret that I am not a fan of Jim Ryan. I, look, I've got nothing yeah. against him personally. I don't know him, so I can't have anything against the guy personally. And also, that would be silly. I mean, don't know the guy at all. But I dislike the way he seems to be running PlayStation. Yeah. And what I mean by that is from what I have seen with the comments that he has made to publications about, for example, um, preserving games as art, especially old games. In his opinion, nobody plays old games anymore. Uh, and then there was huge backlash around that. And then they started, you know, they, they then didn't close the PS Vita store and so on and so forth. So I think this is possibly an answer to that. Because isn't it interesting? Mm. How the PS Vita store shut down, and now they're bringing it back as part of the a service where you can download the, and play them. Right? The
1: moment they announced the
0: shutdown, we were all like, "Oh yeah, that's coming. That's coming to <laughs> PS Plus, if anything." And, and 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 that's fair, right? You have the catalog, so, you know. So 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 it's not really fair. People should still be able to buy this stuff if they want to, um, much like how Microsoft does it. So I don't want to go down that path now, but. I understand why they've done what they're what they're doing, right, by putting all of these things into one bundle service because, and this is the big thing here, and people need to really realize this, is the reason why they're doing this is because subscriptions are more than sustainable. Subscri- subscriptions are something that I love and hate because certain things shouldn't have a subscription, okay? Certain software, like that one that I was talking about earlier, it makes zero sense for that software that I'm going to use once or twice a month to have a subscription model. I'd rather just buy it outright, and when I use it every couple of months, I don't have to worry about it, right? Yeah. Um, but something like, like video games are very much like streaming services. You pay your sub, and then you watch what you want when you want to, or you play what you want when you want to, you know? There's yeah. more on offer here. It it It, it makes sense. Um... Yeah, is is anything you'd like to add there? No, that's it. That's you. You summed it up quite nicely. <laughs> um, so, uh, so the, the what, what are on... your? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what are your what are your thoughts now on this whole thing? So, you talk to me now, talk to us now about mm. what we've said here. Are video gaming subscriptions sustainable? Right? Because remember, this is just our opinion. At the same time, sure, we might have yeah, you know, read. We have done a lot of reading, but we're not really citing anything here. We're just also just giving our opinion. No so <laughs> you know overall how do you how do you feel about this and um like what are your closing thoughts
1: i do not mind subscriptions at all i think they have a place um as all things do as you said as long as it makes sense for the software like yes i use yes. a camera app um, i don't use the stock camera app at all um on my phone i use a camera app called allied excellent app. This is not plugged or anything, <laughs> um, but they have recently moved over to a subscription service. Now, I've been grandfathered in because I bought the app before um, and I got like three years or whatever of the subscription for free, but um, it it still baffles me that apps like this even need subscriptions. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, if we speak about con- uh, the console um, subscriptions now, I do think they have a place and I do think they give value. Even PS Plus Essential and Premium and all of those, I think they do offer value. I just do not like the way they are presented, especially the PS versions of, of them all. Um, and on top of that, I do think that, or rather I am glad that they do not take away from sales as mm. people, some people are arguing. Uh, let's say Jim Ryan. Um, because his whole point is that it takes away from from first party titles. It 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 removes the quality of them. And if you believe that, I don't know. It it's, it to me it sounds like a rhetoric that someone like Jim Ryan would say, um in in a, in order to sell these different products. Um. So I don't know. It, you can still buy your games if you want to buy them. You can still support the developers if you want to support them. You can be part of the subscription if your budget only allows to be for you to have the subscription. It, yes. It's literally, it, it just makes everything easier for everyone to have all of these options. Um, I just do not like some of the limitations that new offerings have. That's
0: it. Yes. So one point I just want to make quickly, which is a little bit different in terms of w- You know, when we talk about subscriptions, you make a very, very valid point here about how certain things shouldn't have them, but others are clearly designed around them. Yes. A great example of this is how Game Pass was designed as an all-you-can-eat buffet of games, much like how I'm happy to see PlayStation Extra and so on and so forth will be very similar. You know, that's good for everybody with a digital internet connection. But then you brought up Halide. And you feel that it's a little bit ridiculous that a camera app should move to a subscription model. Yeah. This could potentially be a discussion for another day. But the gist of of why a lot of software. Now, understand this is different to service. Okay? Yes, it's different. Why a lot of software is getting subscriptions is because of the cost of development. In order to mm-hmm. continuously keep something updated and and good and going forward, <clears throat> it is it is preferable to have a subscription over a once-off buy because that means consistent revenue and consistent revenue means your team can grow and you can consistently improve something. All right.
1: Yeah. Look from from a business perspective, I totally get that. Um, I still don't think that if you have a premium price. Attached to your product, to your premium product. As long as it's fair, I think it can also be sustainable.
0: You see, this is where I was leading, right? Mm. So, again, now taking what we've just said now, right? About apps and services and so on. This is where consoles are in a very different space. And this is because the barrier to entry for a console ecosystem is much higher than software, Mm. for example. You know, you have to buy a $300 or $500 console. Then once you've got the console, you have to have some sort of subscription in order to, well, really enjoy it, right? I mean, we live in an an online world. Why wouldn't you want the benefits of free games every month or to have a superior service, for example? Then you now have these value adds on top of the hardware. So it is very interesting and very different. But then if you look at it from a completely value perspective, this is where you begin to realize that being a PlayStation gamer is uh, not as... uh, How how, how would I phrase this nicely? Well, I mean, it's quite clear Sony doesn't want to be a budget option. So it's not really about budget. It's just they're not really the the brand you want to go for, for value. Now, of course, that in itself yeah, is debatable. for a buck. Uh, what do you determine, what is valuable to you? Is uh, a single player title that costs far more than every other, you know, game available on other consoles more valuable to you than a subscription service that gives you access to that kind of a title day and date along with other games that you might find really interesting you know mm-hmm. where is where is your where does your value lie i suppose in the grand scheme of what is considered a value add you know for me it's very much i've already spent so much to get into this kind of an ecosystem so i you know given how the, the cost comparison is similar between the two and in particular we took away these two because the playstation one is uh the so the nintendo one is a little bit uh you don't really need that at all. If you want to enjoy your Switch, it's just they. Yep. For people who it's want to play useless. emulation. So, you know, yeah, it's it's not really a factor here. Um, But like, you know, you could also argue, like take a PC person, for example. You know, they spend a lot of money on hardware for their machine and they're very proud of it. They have a lot of benefits. I mean, they have Ubisoft Plus. Mm-hmm. They have, um, sorry, it's Ubisoft Plus. They have uh, EA, EA Origin. Um, they have Game Pass. You know, they have a lot of stuff. Um, speaking of um, Ubisoft is coming, is going to be merging with uh, Game Pass later this year as well. So just another benefit as to why Game Pass is going to be just really the service to have. Um, but essentially, from that perspective, PC gamers really consistently win in terms of value. Like they all, they are able to buy digital games super cheap through like steam sales or epic game store stuff where that you that doesn't often happen on console like you'll often look browser a a console store and you'll see that a game is the same price as it was at launch and it's been like two years later uh that is a known issue which again means that the value add of something like game pass where those games are now on the service versus having to be bought is really just the cherry on the top of of what i hope these services will eventually become Now, again, you know, as Edward and I have said, we're not advocating for subscription, unless, of course, it makes sense. And in this particular circumstance, I believe we've given enough of a discussion around how they're more than sustainable in terms of why they're good from an economic point of view, not only for those people who are cash-strapped, but also for the studios and the companies who offer these subscriptions. Um, And I, for one, am in favor of a future where subscriptions make sense but also give you the most amount of value and perhaps that is the real question here and that is how much value is the platform you're using giving you in the long term and is that value or their their answers for why they don't have certain value ads um you know are, are those answers enough you know mm. or should you as a consumer query why are they doing that when it seems anti-competitive and anti-consumer that's it <laughs> that's it that's the, that's the <laughs> question to end on that's it yeah yeah that that's it so um there we go we've reached the end of episode 85 thank you edward I, uh, this was, uh, it went on for a bit longer than I thought it would. And, um, yeah, it really uh, did <laughs> as always, I, as always. And, and perhaps maybe I explained a bit more than I should have, but I just felt, you know, if maybe somebody who's listening to this doesn't know about what these services are and they want to know a little bit more about them. I figured, well, you know, let's actually talk about them and then go into why we feel they they have value or they don't. Exactly. So yeah. Uh, for those of you who enjoyed this, we do hope that you will like subscribe and share Um, we do this bi-weekly and if you'd like to see any of our previous episodes please do see the link in the description below and uh, we look forward to possibly letting you hear from us again in a future episode so thank you, bye
1: (laughs) bye